13 through 18. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord this morning. And he left them and entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them saying, take heed. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye, because you have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have you, have ye your heart yet hardened? Have eyes, see ye not? Have ears, hear ye not? Then do you not remember? Do you not remember? Amen. I want to preach this morning. Hallelujah. Eliminating all distractions. Eliminating all distractions. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Back in the telegraph days, it was the fastest method of long-distance communication. A young man applied for a job as a Morse code operator. Answering an ad in the newspaper, he went to the office address that was listed, and when he arrived, he was late. And he entered this large office building that was filled with noise and clatter, including the sound of a telegraph in the background somewhere. And a sign on the receptionist's counter instructed the job applicants to fill out a form and wait until they are summoned to enter in to the inner office. And so the young man filled out his form and he sat down with seven other applicants that were there on time. They are already there. After just a few minutes, the young man stood up and crossed the room to the door of the inner office and walked in. Just walked in. And so the other applicants perked up and wondered, what is going on? They muttered among themselves. No one had summoned him in yet. And so they assumed the young man went into the office, had made a mistake, and he'd be disqualified. Within a few minutes, the employer escorted the young man back out of the office and then said to the other applicants, gentlemen, thank you for coming, but we have filled the job. So the other applicants began grumbling amongst themselves. One spoke up and said, wait a minute, I don't understand. He's the last one to come in. He just got up and walked in the office. We haven't even had a chance to be interviewed. Yet he got the job. That's not fair. And the employer said, I'm sorry, but this whole time you've been sitting here, the telegraph has been ticking out the following message in Morse code. If you understand this message, come right into this office. The job is yours. <laughs> None of you heard it or understood it. But this young man did. And so the job is his. Are our ears tuned to God's voice? Do we hear God's voice? The young man wasn't the first one there. He probably wasn't the one who had the most education or highest qualifications. He probably wasn't the one who was dressed the best. Maybe they were comparing themselves amongst themselves, touting their own qualifications. I have more education. I look better. I was here earlier. All these things. I should be the one picked. I should be the one picked. Maybe they were telling each other how they deserved the job. 
Are you kidding? I've worked harder. I'm from, I'm from this family. I deserve this job. But while they sat there, this young man waltzes in and gets the job. And the reason he got it is because he was listening to the right voice. So while they're listening to their own voices, I look good, I arrived early, I'm qualified, they failed to listen to the Morse code going on in the background. And so they were too distracted by everything going on around them to hear the voice, to preoccupied with other conversations. So they missed the main message. So while others are talking about themselves, the small, unobtrusive voice of the telegraph machine goes unnoticed. Even the quietest sound was the most important sound in the room. Perhaps they had a radio on in the background. I don't know, but, but you get the impression that it was the quietest sound in the room. And you had to be paying attention. You had to be focusing. You had to get the distractions out of your life. The one who will hear the still, small voice of Jesus Christ in this generation, they are going to be the ones who figure out how to eliminate distractions. There are so many distractions in this world that it is hard to hear the voice of Christ. And church, he is a gentleman. He, he doesn't force himself on anybody. Amen. It's why, it's why church, you can, God can give you visions and dreams, promises, uh, but there are some of God's promises that are dependent on people. He depends on, he depended on Mary to be pure. Promised Jesus would come from a virgin, but Mary had to do her part for the promise, amen, to come true. Amen. I've asked, I've prayed to God for years for God to save my family, church. And I believe God is knocking on every one of their hearts. I believe He is. I know He is. He's told me He is. But in the end, we are our own, uh, we have our own liberty to decide whether we're going to open the door or not and let Him in. Amen. Uh, don't ever say, don't ever say, well, I know that they're okay because God promised me they would be. When church, they've got to make a decision. God's never going to save somebody without them making a decision to be saved. You see what I'm saying? It is so important to God, our free will. It's so important to Him. Amen. Because He doesn't want any of us to be puppets. I don't want to be saved because somebody prayed and fasted for me, and so automatically I'm saved. I want to be saved because somebody prayed and fasted for me and I made a decision to turn toward Christ because that decision makes all the difference. Amen. We've got to hear the small, still voice of Jesus. A husband and a wife were, in a, were at a party uh, and they were chatting with some friends and the subject of marriage counseling came up. Oh, we'll never need that. My wife and I have a wonderful relationship. She's a communications major in college. And I majored in theater arts. So she communicates real well, and I act like I'm listening. 
A lady was out with her friends and said that she hadn't spoken to her husband in two days. And they voiced their concern and said, why not? And she said, I don't want to interrupt him. Sounds like he was quite a talker. <laughs> We've had people say things to us and we're daydreaming and we're preoccupied and we can hear their voice like Charlie Brown's teachers. Are you listening to me? I love, I love my wife, obviously, but when we first got married, I, when I, it's time for bed, I, I was, you know, ready to go to sleep. I, I wasn't, I wasn't used to, you know, how was your day as we're, you know, fluffing up our pillows? Uh, huh? What? I was talking to you. Didn't you hear what I said? Uh, yeah, I think so. I heard her. I heard her. But I didn't hear her. Right? We've all done that. Uh, what did you say? We've all been in meetings at work, I would assume, where about halfway through the meeting, you know, it just kind of shuts off. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, what were you talking about? I heard you, but I, I wasn't listening. I didn't understand. I heard you speaking, but it didn't register what you were saying. I knew you were talking to me, but my mind was preoccupied in other things, and I didn't understand what it was that you wanted me to hear. We've all done that. I, I even have heard the words that you said. But because I became preoccupied in my mind, I didn't understand what you were saying. Heard the words, but I didn't understand. I was with somebody some time ago and said something to him. And he said, John, I don't understand what you said. Uh, the doctors told me that I'm losing hearing in, 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 in one of my ears. And, and I can hear, but I can't understand. I can hear it, but I'm not comprehending what's being said. And then he said this to me, and it stuck with me. He said, I'll tell you what really helps me understand what people are saying now is if I look directly at them when they're talking to me. So I can see their facial expressions. I can see their lips moving. I can see everything about, about the conversation. Because it, I'm learning that, that it's not just hearing that helps you comprehend what somebody is saying. Uh, church, in order to hear what God is saying, we have got to keep our eyes on Him. we got to keep watching Him. Amen? Because I'll tell you, church, it's a small, still voice. It's rare that God just shouts in our ear and yells at us, Hey! Usually, it's with all the clatter going on. You listen? You listen? Oh, hold on. I think I heard something. Amen. Anyone here ever have mice in your house? You know, and you, you're, you're, it's late at night, and, uh, and all of a sudden you hear, you know, oh, shh, shh. Yeah, I hear it. I hear it. When we were kids, we called the mice the Millers, and we had, uh, drop ceilings in the basement, and our bedrooms were in the basement. And so the Millers were, live in the drop ceiling, and so when you would hear that, you know, across the, Ceiling late at night, you would stop, you would listen for them, you'd get right under the drop ceiling where they were at, and you'd, you'd 
jump up and you shove that drop ceiling up. And it would scare them so much that they, would, they, they wouldn't make noise for a little while. Just enough time for you to fall asleep. We, it was the trick. We figured out if you can scare a mouse enough, they'll, they'll just kind of freeze for a couple minutes and you can fall asleep. It's hard to fall asleep while you're hearing it. You gotta get it, you gotta get quiet so you can hear exactly where they're at. We've gotta get quiet in everything in our lives to hear the voice of God. I tell you, church, there is enough things out there to distract you 24 hours a day. Enough things out there to distract you. Uh, uh, I, I've just been, I've, I've just been trying to eliminate distractions lately. Just eliminate it and just begin to bring in God. Amen. Bring in uh, audio versions of the Bible to listen as I'm driving. I just want to hear the voice of God. I want to get rid of the distractions. Isaiah 6 and 1, one of the great chapters of the Bible. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With the twain he covered his face. With the twain he covered his feet. And with the twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Then who will go for us? And then said I, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. <coughs> King Uzziah had become a distraction to Isaiah. And it was only after King Uzziah died that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. Uzziah comes from a form of the word Azariah. It means the Lord is my strength. He was one of Amaziah's sons. He was one that the people made king of Judah in his father's stead, according to 2 Kings. His long reign was about 52 years, one of the longest reigns, if not the longest reign, of any king in the kingdom. He was the most prosperous, the Bible says, except for uh, Jehoshaphat since the time of Solomon. He was a vigorous, he was an able ruler. His name was spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt, the Bible says. Under the influence of Zechariah, he was faithful to God, faithful to Jehovah. Second Kings, Second Chronicles tells us he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But toward the close of his long life, the Bible says his heart was lifted up to his destruction. And he wantedly invaded the priest's office and he entered the sanctuary and proceeded to offer incense on the golden altar. And Azariah, the high priest, saw it and the tendency of daring, daring to do what only the high priests were supposed to do. And Azariah had 80 priests withstand him 
saying, It appertaineth not to thee, Uzziah, to burn incense. In other words, this isn't your job. You're, you think too highly of yourself. You aren't the one to do this. We are. And he was driven from the temple and compelled to live and reside in a, the Bible calls a several house because he, uh, he got leprosy. And on the day of his death, he was buried in a separate grave. The Bible says, in the field of the burial, which belonged to the kings. And so Isaiah learned that his position wasn't what he was supposed to be seeking. Uzziah gave him a position. Uzziah gave Isaiah a position, a title. And when he got his position, when he got his title, he lost sight of God. I love that, church. I love that. doesn't matter what man gives you. doesn't matter what title man gives you. doesn't matter what title your job gives you. Life gives you. doesn't matter what title uh, your, your past experiences give you. Uh, uh, orphan, abused, hurt, uh, uh, slow. Uh, I, I have Irish anger, whatever, you know. Listen, they're just titles. We need to love the title God gives us. I am redeemed. I am, I am blood-bought. I'm mercy-sought. I'm a child of the King. I have the name of Jesus on me. And that's the title I love. So in the year... Uh, uh, the year that King Uzziah died. So when the man that had taken care of Isaiah died, Isaiah turned again to the Lord. And it was then that Isaiah received his vision. When the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord on the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. We've preached on the train before. Isaiah was saying, my distractions have been eliminated. And I saw the Lord when I, when I stopped looking at the arm of flesh, when I stopped looking at, at all of my accomplishments, everything I did, then I began to see the Lord. When I began to get my focus off the things that men do, the titles that men give, uh, I saw the Lord. And then after Isaiah saw the Lord, he saw himself. And I said, woe is me. For I am undone, I am a man of unclean lips, and I am in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah realized that he had drifted from God because of all of the distractions of the world. And when he finally saw God again, he realized how unclean he was. He realized that he needed to get close to God again and he got a vision of God, and he repented. He saw God. He saw himself. He saw the vision. He saw a vision of a lost world. Who will go and spread this message? Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm saying this to the church today. God does have a job for us. He does. He's got something that we need to do for him. There's work to be done. There's Positions to be filled. But who's going to fill it? It's not the one who looks the best. Not the one who has the best education. Not the one who, who comes from the greatest line of, 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 of apostolics that there's ever been. He is looking for somebody 
who will hear his voice, who will recognize that it's God who's speaking, and who will go and do a work for this generation. Church, the job position's open. The advertisement's out there. It's gone forth. Go ye and teach all nations. Right? Baptizing them. And he said to them, Go into the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Matthew 9 and 37, he says to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. I was thinking about singing this song this morning, but uh, unfortunately I don't, I don't know it well enough. Uh, Sister Urshan uh, would sing it. Uh, my house is full, but my fields are empty. Amen. Who will go and work for me today? Hallelujah. It seems that all my children want to stay around the table, but who will go and work in the fields? Jesus said, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, and he will send forth laborers into his harvest. He gave us the Holy Ghost. Ye shall receive power. After that, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, under the uttermost parts of the earth. What's the job? To reach the lost. What's the job? Why, why is it just about reaching the lost? You've got to think deeper. It's not just about saving the lost from a devil's hell. It's about finding somebody who will give God glory. Because church, we all want God to receive glory. Right? I want God to be praised. I want Him to be worshipped. He means that much to me. And if I can convince somebody to praise and worship the God that we praise and worship, church, they're going to be saved automatically. It'll happen if we can just get them to realize that God is worthy to be praised. What's the pay for the job? Matthew 16 and 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. He shall reward every man according to his works. Elise was sharing with me yesterday that uh, uh, I'm sure you all know that there's been laws passed lately on abortion. Um, the, the governor in Virginia um, has has announced, I can't remember what the term is called, but uh, uh, he has said that if a, if a child, if a mother wants a child to be aborted, and that child, but she can't decide, she can't decide, and, and that child is born, and it has a deformity, and because of the deformity, the mother says, I, I want, I, I would have wanted that baby to be aborted. This governor of Virginia, along with others who believe in abortion, have said that that mother should have the right to let that baby die after it's been born. This world is upside down. 
when I can be arrested and thrown in jail for stealing the egg of a California crane. I can be arrested for stealing the egg of a California crane, church. And yet laws are being passed that are are going to allow mothers to decide after a child is born that they don't want that child to live. That's what we're dealing with, church. We need to get in touch with God. We need to ask God to intervene. We do. Church, I believe God still loves this country. I do. I believe God still wants to bless this country. Amen. And bless those who who love Him. Amen. In Jesus' name. So what's the pay? Oh, to, to finish the story about Elise. So at work, Elise said that they get, there's debates about this stuff. And, uh, and, and rightfully so, Elise doesn't want to get into arguments. I agree. Church, you can't, you can't win arguments. <clears throat> but she said, you know what I, I, I told them in, when they had this discussion? I told them, well, let me tell you what my dad has always said being raised in a pastor's home. My dad has always said that he believes that at conception, it's not about how many fingers and toes. It's about the soul. And that there is a soul. And that's what we need to be thinking about. That there's a soul. Amen. And she said, Dad, it it diffused the conversation immediately. Because they had never thought of it in that way. There's a soul. Amen. Amen. Church, and I know that there's circumstances that are at times are beyond our control. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making a wrong choice and the next day deciding to, to, or the next week or three months later, six months later, deciding to eliminate that choice. That's a soul, isn't it? In the name of the Lord. So church, there's souls in the balance. God has called us to touch souls, to reach out and touch souls, to touch people. Amen. They've been creating God's image. And the benefits, (laughs) the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What a benefit of living for God. We've got the Holy Ghost. So we get the righteousness, we get the peace, we get the joy of the Holy Ghost. I tell you, church, the righteousness and the peace and the joy of the Holy Ghost, it will get you through any situation. Financial, health, uh, uh, relationships, when you are anointed by the Holy Ghost, it gets you through. Because it eliminates all of those man-made titles that people have given you And now you're just a child of God. Now you're just blood-bought and mercy-sought. Amen. Now you just love God. Amen. The church, the life insurance policy, it is out of this world. Hallelujah. I was reading an article yesterday that said no matter how healthy we have gotten, no matter how healthy you are, You can eat perfect, you can exercise, you can do the perfect amount of cardio and the perfect amount of weightlifting, you can eat the perfect foods. In church, they have 
they have proven it through statistics, through through knowing when people die. You aren't going to live unless it's an extreme outlier. You aren't going to live past 115, 116 years old. There's nothing you can do about it. You can eat perfect. You can be in perfect shape. You're going to die. That's what this article is saying. You will die. And I thought, you know, I would love to write the author of that and say, you know, actually, <laughs> death has lost its sting in my life. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Because, church, I, I will not stay dead. Amen. If I die before the rapture takes place, when that rapture takes place, God is going to raise my glorified body He's going to allow my soul to re-enter it, and I'm going to be caught up together with the Lord in the clouds to, to ever be with the Lord. Amen. And if I'm still alive when the rapture takes place, He's going to change my living body to a glorified body. Amen. And those who have died before me will go right before me, and then we'll all kind of grab their heels and go right after them. And we'll all go up to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, author of that article, you're actually wrong. We have eternal life. This life insurance policy of being saved. Amen. Oh, it's a job I want to get. It's a job I want to have. Amen. Don't, do you know anybody who has a job whose health insurance is just amazing? And sometimes you go, oh, I wish I had that good of health insurance. My health insurance, it's not the greatest. But I know people who have great health insurance. And you sometimes get a little jealous of it, right? Church, this life insurance policy of Jesus Christ, it's a job I want. Amen. And the other applicants who have come far and near, who are sitting in the interview room, waiting their turn, I'm here to tell you, church, that it's not about the most qualified, the most well-dressed. It's not about the one who is on the scene first. It's the one who has the ability to get the job. The one who gets the nod from the Lord of the harvest, who will hear that small, still voice. The one whose attention isn't diverted by all the sounds around, that clamor around. The ones who don't think they've already arrived and, and think they deserve the job. I deserve the job. Because I've been here the longest. I have the superior qualifications. It's the one who hears the voice of God. We can argue all day amongst ourselves, church, about theology, about, about doctrine, about why everyone else is wrong. But church, I tell you what, there are people lost going to hell that we have got to reach. We have got to reach them somehow. And the ones whom God is going to work through in this generation are the ones who have eliminated the distractions in their lives. Not the ones who are the most educated or the best dressed or the most impressive uh, pedigree or heritage. It is those who have eliminated the distractions. Amen. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in His holy place? He who hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Wow, he's taking both sides there, right? Don't lift yourself up, because that's vanity. And don't swear deceitfully. He 
who doesn't do those things, who has a pure heart, shall receive the blessings of the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek his face, O Jacob. It's, it's interesting. Clear and clean and pure in this verse actually both mean clear. It's not muddled. It's not double-minded. It's clear. When we are quiet and we hear the voice of the Lord, it's a clear voice. It's a clear direction. It's unhindered. Matthew 6 and 22, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. One of the definitions for single in this passage is, is simple and clear. If your eyes are simple and clear, clearly, See the Lord clearly. Amen. Pray clearly. Worship. Amen. Clearly love his word. Hallelujah. I believe that what God is looking for this in this generation is not talent and not ability and not pedigree and not heritage. I believe that God is looking for people who will eliminate distractions. I'm living for you, God. People who will keep their purpose clear, their lives uncluttered. I was thinking about this this morning as I was driving and, 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 and there was all the fire trucks and there was a vehicle in front of me and, and church, it's just, you know, when you come upon a place where there's a bunch of fire trucks or ambulances or whatever, you are so distracted by it. You just are, you know? And I just was, I had this on my mind and I began to kind of pay attention to the car in front of me and, and they, they were kind of going, you know, they weren't staying in their lane. And, and you could see the, the person in the driver's seat, you know, trying to see what's going on, what's going on. And I thought, you know, that's the way life is. It gets us distracted. There's so many things going on that we get our eyes off the Lord. It's, it's the King Hezekiah or Uzziah, amen. But church, if we'll allow those things to die, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And this train filled the temple. Let's stand this morning. So how do I hear? How do I understand the voice of God? Because it's not enough to hear it, right? We got to understand what God's saying. I want to, I want to understand. Samuel heard the voice of God, but ran to Eli to ask him what he wanted. It's one thing to hear the voice. It's another thing to know where it's coming from. And know what it's saying. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And church is so simple. We hear God's voice through prayer. Through praise. Through fasting. Through spending time in his word. Through being in church. Amen. We hear his voice. Through eliminating all the distractions. In Japan. Uh, uh, melons are considered. uh, uh uh, sacred by some. Uh, here you can buy a melon for two, two bucks, three bucks, I don't know. But in Japan, some of the best melons will sell for a hundred dollars a melon. And so, there are master melon growers. And what they do is these master growers, they hand pollinate three flowers on a plant. And they pollinate these three flowers. And as the melons are growing from the three flowers, when they all get to about the size of a baseball, they choose the best one 
And then they take all the other ones and they chop them up and they throw them in their compost pile. And in this way, the single fruit receives all the nutrition that was originally meant for all the fruit. Because the plant has developed its root system, has developed its leaves, etc. to feed all of these melons. And now there's only one to feed. And so it concentrates everything on one melon. I'm assuming that's how the large pumpkins, I'm assuming that's how they do with the large pumpkins. I don't, I've never studied it. Jesus knows the secret church. He knows what's best for us. He knows the best possible route our lives can take. And church, I tell you, he wants to eliminate everything out of our lives. There is so much spiritual nutrition God is trying to get to us. But man, when I've got so many distractions in my life, they're getting, they're getting what I'm supposed to be getting. I'm supposed to be receiving the blessings of God. I'm supposed to be hearing the voice of God. The full measure of growth. Of love, of anointing. He's called us to repentance. He's, he's cautioned us concerning temptation. He's created in us a desire to know Him better. He's cultivating in us an anointing that will make us the most greatest possible apostolic we could ever be. So church, that's all I'm challenging you, asking you to do this morning. Eliminate your distractions. Turn toward God. I am telling you there is a power and an anointing that will come upon our lives if we'll just eliminate everything. I believe it's one of the reasons why things like winter fire are, are so anointed is because we are all there with one thing in mind. God, I'm not worrying about my job. I'm not worrying about this or that. I'm just there to get God. Whoo! Hallelujah. Lord, prepare me. Prepare me to be a sanctuary, God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, touch this church this morning, Lord. Help us to eliminate every destruction. Help us, uh, every distraction. Help us to eliminate the negatives in our lives, Lord, to only be positive. God, if there's negative people in our lives, Lord, we're just going to ignore them, Lord. Hallelujah. Because we know that the true kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, Lord. I don't want to just hear your voice, God. I want to understand it. Amen. I want to know where it's coming from. I want it to be clear, Lord. And I know that's going to come through prayer, through fast, through your word, Lord, through worship, through praise, through being in church, amen, as a community, praying together, worshiping together. Amen. Loving you, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.